But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So those of you, some of you may know a little bit about my story with COVID, um, but I'm going to tell you right now, I am a walking miracle. I, I don't try to hide that. It is absolutely, without question, it is true. We came back from Sierra Leone in June of 2021. Uh, we thought we would take our first furlough, maybe spend eight months to a year in the United States and updating people uh, about what God was doing in Sierra Leone. And I started to book some meetings. We were in Tennessee where our home church is and our mission agency. And uh, July 16th, I started to feel unwell. Um, and that ended up being 97 days spent in the hospital with COVID. I was on a ventilator for 63 of those days. No less than 13 times my family was told that I was going to die. Um, and in fact, at one point, they, they came to my wife and the neurologist had come and done a bunch of tests. And they said, um, your husband's not there anymore. He's brain dead. Um, he has not been responsive for more than 10 days. Um, they did all the testing. I wasn't responding. And they said, you need, you need to take him off of life support. And my wife went home. That was a Sunday afternoon. My wife went home and she called my mother who unfortunately uh, had just uh, suffered the loss of my sister in Portland, Oregon, who also died of COVID while I was in Tennessee dying of COVID. And she told my mother, they said he's brain dead. We need to take him off life support. And my mother, who's a born-again Christian, said, no, we're not going to go there yet. We're going to pray for a miracle. And that just stirred my wife's heart. You know, sometimes, you know, being Baptist, we just don't think about God doing miracles. And I understand why. I deal with charismatics a lot. But we have a God of miracles. We still do. And so my wife put it on Facebook for people to pray. And I don't have any idea why. It is one of the most humbling things I've ever been through in my entire life. But God moved his people to pray. Um, we have found out at least 18 countries around the world Literally tens of thousands of people prayed for a miracle. And the next day when my wife went into the hospital and she went to meet with the neurologist, she thought was to say goodbye to her husband and disconnect me from life support. Instead, when she walked in the room, I looked up at her and I followed her across the room and I tried to mouth, I love you. And it was a long journey. My kidneys both failed. I was on dialysis for five months. My lungs, I had pneumonia in both lungs, blood clots in both lungs, multiple infections in my lungs. Both my lungs collapsed. I had tubes in my lungs. In fact, I had nine different tubes in my body for different things. Um, it was a very hard journey, on literally the hardest thing I've ever been through in my entire life. When I woke up, my first memory in the hospital, I was completely paralyzed. Actually, in fact, I had to learn how to swallow again. I don't know why that stands out to me as one of the weirdest things. You don't think about swallow. You don't have to teach a baby how to swallow. But I had to literally, they had an x-ray machine they'd put next to me, and they'd feed me different things, and I'd have to watch it go down so it went down the right tube, retraining my brain to swallow correctly. I had to learn how to move again. I had to learn to walk again. Um, and, of course, I was on dialysis. But my first memory when I woke up in the hospital, completely paralyzed, I can't move at all. I can't talk because I'm on a ventilator. I look over and there's this machine. I didn't know it at the time, but it was a dialysis machine filtering my blood out because both of my kidneys had failed. I had this machine breathing for me and all of this. And it was honestly, it was the hardest day of my entire life. Because laying there in that moment, I thought God was done with me. And I love being a missionary. I, did, I, I told, said in the Sunday school this morning, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God made me for Sierra Leone, West Africa. It is exactly who I was supposed to be to be able to accomplish his will there so that I could be used for his glory. And I thought that God was done with me. 
But in that moment, I thank God, I've been telling people for years in ministry, memorize the word of God. You've got to have the word of God hidden in your heart. And I thank God that I took that same advice myself. Because in that moment laying there, all I had was a relationship with God through prayer. And thank God we can go boldly to the throne of grace. He's never going to leave us, never forsake us. He's with us in every moment. There in the hospital, there, personal relationship with God. Thanks for that. But then the word of God there in my heart. In that hardest moment, God brought a Bible verse to my mind. And it's actually beautiful because it's written in the prophet's chamber there where I'm staying at your church here. God brought this verse. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I don't know about you, but God has used that passage of Scripture in my life actually multiple times over the years. But it's, it's been in action, so to speak. I'm trying to accomplish something. I'm trying to do something, and I feel maybe opposition or hardships, and things aren't going well, and I don't know what to do. And God says, be still and know that I am God. But here I am laying in this bed, paralyzed, can't move at all. And he says, now you just be still and know that I am God. And the next verse he gave me was Ephesians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And I just focused on that thanksgiving and gave God great thanks for everything I had, everything he was doing in my life. And every time they were going to poke me and prod me and another surgery or operation and more pain and whatever was going on, I just thank God that I was alive. I thank God that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And what he went through on the cross was so much more than what I could possibly suffer in this life. And he just brought that relationship. I tell you, I've never been closer to God. I miss it with my whole heart. I never, never would have chosen to go through that. But I think, so thankful for the relationship. So then I go home, finally get out of the hospital after 97 days. And I go home and I'm looking through my Bible when I can finally move. And I'm underlining the different Bible verses that God used during this time of COVID. And I get to that Psalm 4610. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually didn't know the entire verse. I always knew that first part, but that's actually 4610a. The entire verse says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, God had a purpose for my COVID battle. He had many purposes, but one of them was that he wanted to be exalted. And he took me and put my wife and my family through something because what, he, what was going on was so far greater than anything I even understood. It just wasn't about me. See, while I was sick and while I was dying, our ministry in Sierra Leone, the Muslims there, they started speaking really badly about our ministry and about Christ. They said, you see, if this man was of God, he wouldn't be dying. So they thought I was discredited because God was taking my life. And they were really speaking ill of our ministry. In fact, one of our men, the community stole from him in broad daylight in front of everybody because they thought he had been discredited and there would be no repercussions. And then God did a miracle. And every one of those Muslims, and I know a lot of people in Sierra Leone from the moment I get off the airplane all the way through where we stay, where we go, I know people all along the way. Every single one of the Muslims said to me, God did a miracle in your life. Amen. And what I was able to tell them is, yes, my faith in Jesus Christ, the great physician, who's able to save not just the body, but to save the soul from hell. He saved my life so that I could come and tell you that he loves you and that he wants you to be saved by putting your faith and trust in him. Amen. You see, he wanted to be exalted among the heathen. 
He wanted to be exalted on the earth. And he allowed me the privilege of going through that time. And you say, how is that a privilege? You had to go through all that suffering and that pain and all that hardships. But see, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And I did not suffer anything because he never left me. He never forsook me. He was with me in every single moment, and he's still with me now. Amen. See, and that's the privilege we have when we know the Lord. You see, people tell me, they say, oh, God's not done with you yet. And that's absolutely true. But I have to tell you this. That was not the first miracle that I experienced in my life. Actually, it's not even close to the greatest miracle that I've ever experienced. That miracle was on December 22nd, 1995 in Portland, Oregon, when God took a man who was dead in his sins and trespasses, who had been working for and earned and deserved hell, separation from a holy God because the wages of sin is death. But that day I received the free gift of salvation, the gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and I was born again. I was quickened and made alive, and that is the greatest miracle that anyone could ever hope to experience in this life. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm being honest with you. I'm not afraid to die. When I was in the hospital and when they were tell, telling me they were going to intubate me, you can ask my family. I was not afraid to die. You know why I'm not afraid to die? Because the word of God. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. You cannot threaten me with heaven. The worst possible thing that anyone can do to you in this life is send you to heaven if you know Jesus Christ. If you are afraid to die, if you are here today and you don't know for sure if you took your last breath right now that you would be at present with him, you need to talk to somebody. You need to get that right today because the day could be the day you could say, I got saved. Today is the day that you could be forgiven of your sins, that you can instead of having the wrath of God, and God is a judge, a righteous judge, judging your sins. Instead, you could have him now as your father because as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them who believe upon his name. You can receive Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven of your sins and you can have eternal life and then you don't have to be afraid to die. Because here's the beautiful thing about that. If you're not afraid to die, you don't have to be afraid to live. You can live this life without fear. No matter what anybody throws at you, no matter what Satan throws at you, no matter what this world goes to, the uncertainty of our economy and politics and all of that's happening, doesn't have to be, we don't have to be afraid. We can trust him. Because he loves us and he's God. We don't have to be afraid to live. So I said, people tell me, they say, oh, well, you know, God's not done with you. And that's correct. But let me tell you this. I've done a lot of study on miracles in the Bible because I, I deal with a lot of charismatics in Africa. And all the false healings and all these false prophecies and all of this. When you look at miracles in the Bible from Moses all the way through the book of Acts, you will find that every single miracle that is performed in the Bible is for the same purpose is to be a witness and a testimony of the power and glory of God. You shall be witnesses unto me. It's a witness and a testimony of the power and glory of God. You ever think about what it would be like to be Lazarus? I have. Okay? I, never, I always looked at that story from the outside. Okay? But a man that God raised from the dead after four days in the tomb and he stinketh. I love that, by the way. It's so much fun. So... He's the resurrection and the life. But you know what Jesus said to his disciples when he heard that Lazarus was sick? He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. 
See, he's the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter what we suffer with and struggle with. This sickness is not unto death. We are not going to die. We may sleep in this body, but we're going to be present with the Lord. You see, we don't have to be afraid of death. You know how we know what Lazarus, though? Lazarus understood the power of the miracle. Lazarus didn't just go back and go back into his normal life, living the everyday, the nine-to-five grind, get bigger, better, more. He didn't do that. You know how we know that? The very next chapter in the book of John, we read that the Jews were seeking to kill Lazarus because so many people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ because of his testimony. He was a witness and a testimony of the power and glory of God. Now listen to this. I'm a walking miracle, not because of what happened with COVID, but because I got saved on December 22, 1995. If you are here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have this treasure in earthen vessels. If you know him as Savior, you are a walking miracle. If you are still here today and God has not taken you home yet and you are saved in a walking miracle, God's not done with you yet either. There's a purpose for your life. There's a reason you're still here. There's a reason he hasn't taken you home. Precious in sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If he wanted to take you home, he could. But he has left you here for a reason. There is a purpose to your life. And it is not to get bigger, better, more. This is not heaven on earth. I'm so thankful to be an American. But this is not heaven on earth. If you are a Christian, this is the closest to hell you will ever get. If you are not saved, this is the closest to heaven you will ever get. We are here. This is not our home. But we have something to do while we are here. God has sent me to Africa, but he's kept you here. And you should be witnesses to him. You should be telling people about Jesus Christ. You understand that the heart of missions, I am convinced with everything in me, the heart of missions is this. It is sharing the gospel wherever you are with whoever is in front of you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You are here. I am there. I can't share the gospel with your friends, family, and coworkers, and neighbors, the people at the grocery store and the restaurants. God is counting on you to do that. There's a purpose for your life. There's a reason you're still here. And there's someone who needs to hear the gospel. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You see, this body is beaten and bruised. And I don't know about you, but when we look back at the last three years of COVID, and I can, this has been a really hard time. I don't know all of you, but I, I'm pretty sure if I talked to each one of you personally, you could tell me stories of hardships and trials and financial issues and health struggles and, and marital problems and problems with children. This is a sin-cursed, fallen world. Yep. This is a difficult place to live. Is that not right? We can look back, and my wife and I, were, we were, my kids, we were talking, we were like, man, it's been, it's been a, a difficult couple years. And then we're like, you know, actually, it's been kind of a difficult five years. And then when you think, well, it's actually been really a hard decade, you know? And then you start looking at it and you go, you know, I literally, my family realized that in the last 12 years of missions, at least a dozen times we could have written a prayer letter. And we could have said, this is what just happened, okay? And we're coming home. And everyone who supports us would read this and say, yes, brother, bring your family home. You need to keep them safe. You just come back here and settle in. There's a hundred reasons to quit. But there's always one reason to keep going, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, this is a hard life. All of the things that are thrown at us from the flesh, from the world, and from Satan are designed to do one thing. He says, therefore, we believe, we speak 
Look at the same. We're going to bounce around a lot in this chapter. Look at verse number three in chapter four. Paul says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You see, you shall be witnesses unto me. You are a walking miracle. You are here to tell people about Jesus Christ. And the world and Satan and the flesh want you to close your mouths. Every hardship, every difficult thing. Satan tried to take me down in COVID, tried to disgrace the church, tried to ruin the testimony of the people that were there. Hardship after hardship after hardship. Why? So that our gospel would be hid. You see, the people that you're around, they are counting on you. They don't even know it. They're counting on you to tell them the truth, to speak the truth in love. The most unloving thing any Christian can do is not to share the gospel. You have somebody in your life that needs to hear the truth of the gospel. You need to preach the gospel to whoever's in front of you, wherever you are. Because how can they believe in him in whom they've not heard? God has a purpose. Now, you think about hardships and trials. You know, I could today, I don't use hand sanitizer. I walked over and I used that hand sanitizer because I literally thought in my mind, I thought, what if I get sick again? What if, what if I come, I, I just did 97 days in the hospital. I don't know if I can ever do that again. And people are sick and I've been hearing this. And I'm, what happens if I get sick again? Can I do this again? Can my family do this again? And that wants, makes me want to quit. Or I can keep going, keep serving God. You know, Paul, when he talks about, look at verse number seven, uh, 17. Paul says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You hear that? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. You realize that, that Paul says whatever you're going through is a light affliction. That's right. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes if somebody came to me who had never really been through kind of hardships, they got a silver spoon in their mouth, you know that whole thing? And they say, yeah, you know what? That, what you're going through is just a light affliction. It can almost seem like demeaning, right? Like they're putting down your suffering. Unless the man who's writing that knows about what he's talking about. If you turn, I'm not going to have you turn there, but if you look at chapter 11, you can read an entire list where Paul lists out one after the other, these hardships, these trials, these light afflictions that he goes through. Five times of the Jews he received, 40 stripes, save one. One of those could have killed Paul, should have killed Paul. The person that was, was yielding the whip, a whip with stones and bones on it, hated him. The Jews hated Paul. And he would beat him, not to be gentle, but to kill this man. Not once, not twice, not three times, but five times he got back up and preached the gospel. They were trying to get him to close his mouth so that the gospel would be hid. But Paul said, I serve the Lord. No matter what they throw at me, I'm going to keep going. Paul was a walking miracle. They stoned him and left him for dead. He gets back up, and what did he do? He walked back and preached the gospel. You see, they couldn't close his mouth. He was a walking miracle, and he knew by faith if he died, he would go to heaven. He wasn't afraid to die. They couldn't threaten him with heaven, so therefore he didn't have to be afraid to live for the Lord. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he said that, but he believed it. And we know he believed it because he got back up and just kept preaching Christ. Whatever the world is throwing at you, Satan wants you to be quiet. He wants you to get worried about what they think about you. The, Paul says that you'll be troubled on every side. You're going to be perplexed. That means I, I don't even know what to think about. I'm so overwhelmed, the circumstances just, I just don't even know what to do. 
You're going to be perplexed, but not forsaken. I think about that. We will never be forsaken. You know why? Because Jesus Christ, God in the flesh on the cross, yelled out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God forsaken by God so that we would never be forsaken by God. Think about that. You may be perplexed, but you're never going to be in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. I said, I've never been persecuted before. I, I challenge you to go to your workplace tomorrow. Go to your school tomorrow and preach Christ openly. Thou shalt suffer persecution. Never been persecuted, preach Christ. Cast down, but not destroyed. You see, we live in a very challenging, difficult world. You seek to live godly in Christ Jesus, thou shalt suffer persecution. We are going to have challenges and tribulation and hardships. Everyone's going to go through it, and not just Christians. Unbelievers are going to go through the same thing. They're going to go through the wages of sin is death. This is a hard life. We might as well go through it for a reason. You see, you're going to have difficulties. You can either close off and turn inside and close your mouth. But Paul says, though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. See, when a Christian, especially with pain, pain turns you inside. Hurt turns us inside. Difficulties and challenges turns us inside. When the outward man perish, guess what happens to the Christian? We turn inside. We have the comforter. We have the Holy Spirit, the power of God in us to be there with us. We turn inside and we get closer to God. An unsaved person turns inside and they just get closer to death. See, we have that gift. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to close our mouth. Nothing can be done to us except sending us to heaven. Though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. God's not done with you. You're still here for a purpose. There is someone in your life that needs to hear the gospel. Someone. My wife, I shared my testimony a little bit, but my wife, when she tells me, she comes home, I'm unsaved, and she said, John, I love you. It breaks my heart to know that you're not going to go to heaven with me when you die. You have someone in your life, a family member, a friend. I mean, you're, some people have unsaved children, unsaved spouses, unsaved grandparents, unsaved grandchildren, friends, neighbors, someone that you know if they died today, they would go to hell. And you go to them and you say, I just want you to know I love you so much. I want you to go to heaven. And it breaks my heart to know you're not going to be there because you're not saved. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I please tell you how to get saved? So what if they don't listen? That's not your part. Your job is not to save souls. Your job is to preach the gospel to every creature. God gives the increase. You please your Father God when you preach. The results are between him and them. And that's the beauty of it. We're not responsible for the outcome. We're responsible for preaching the gospel to every creature. You see, there are people all around us that desperately need the gospel. My, my brother, Michael, you pray for him. He's unsaved, atheist man, very wealthy man, actually owns two homes in Austin, Texas. He's an IT in California. He has everything he needs. He doesn't need God. He has all the money. He has all the position, all the wealth. He has everything he needs. I'm in Africa. Should I go back to California and spend the rest of my life preaching the gospel to my brother while the rest of the world perishes? There's a church five minutes from his house, a good independent Baptist church. 
if they will go into all the world and preach the gospel to my brother, he's going to get reached. And God's counting on you doing that right here. Your friends, your family, your neighbors. I said in Sunday school too, you can go to work and you can get a paycheck. Or you can show up for the Lord. And you can go to work and you can win souls. And get a paycheck. You can go to the grocery store to buy milk. I'll tell you, one of the best things that was ever told to me in missions, we were in, in eastern Sierra Leone back in 2013, and we were in this big market, and they just sell the same 16 ingredients through the entire market. But we're walking through, and we're trying to buy bananas. And the lady, because we're white, the price triples. And so we knew this, and so we were kind of, you know, like trying to barter, but it was kind of we were offended because they were cheating us, right? They were just trying to get a, cheat us a little bit of money when, when they were trying to raise the price. And, and so we were kind of arguing a little bit and trying to barter. And when we walked away, the missionary we were with said, Brother John, you got to remember, said, you're not here to get a good deal on bananas. And, and that just it hit me, and I want to say to you guys, whatever you're going to do this afternoon, you're going to go to a restaurant, you're going to go home, you're going to go to work tomorrow, or school, or your neighbors. You're not there to get a good deal on bananas. You're there to be a witness and a testimony to the power and glory of God. And they cannot believe in him of whom they've not heard. And they cannot get saved unless somebody preaches the gospel. But, and I'm going to close with this, if you look at verse 1, you see the Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now look at verse 16. For which cause we faint not. You see that word faint appears both there. It's almost like bookends in this chapter of Scripture. And we think about fainting and we think of an involuntary action. Okay? My, uh, we were in a missionary training school and this 14-year-old boy saw a drop of blood on my wife's finger as I was testing her glucose. And that boy, was, he was literally snoring before he hit the ground. You look at him and say, don't faint. Is that what God's saying to us? That's involuntary. So God must be saying something different here. Well, actually, that word in the Greek is a different kind of word than that. That word literally is to turn up a coward. That, that the world and Satan cowers us by giving us hardships and trials. We find out we have cancer. We find out we've got these things. And what happens is we cower. But you see, as we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we know that the worst can happen to us as we go to heaven when we die. You find out you have cancer. Why are you afraid? You have a platform. You have opportunities. You're going to be in front of doctors and nurses and patients that will never hear the gospel. But God saw fit to give you cancer so you can stand in front of them and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, the hardships can be platforms. They can be opportunities. I spoke to a man a couple weeks ago who was in a horrific car accident, lost part of his brain. He was in the hospital for almost a year. He led 39 nurses and doctors to the Lord. Or he could have said, why me? Oh, my life is so hard. Oh, you know, poor me, poor me. I have a pity party. Or he can say, God's got me here, and I'm going to be a witness. And I'm going to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. See, your hardships can turn you in, or they can make you speak. And if you believe, if you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, you know, I understand there are only two kinds of people in this world. I don't care what color, what language, what nationality you are. There are only two kinds of people in this world, saved and unsaved.
If they're saved, they're your brother and sister in Christ. If they're unsaved, preach the gospel to every creature. Because they're going to die and go to hell unless you speak. I don't know what hardships you're going through. I don't know what challenges you're going through. But I promise you, if you will by faith understand that you have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power is not about you. It's about him. You have God. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Because when this earthen vessel gets beaten and bruised and cracked, the light of the power of God that's in us shines out. And they see not me, they see my God. And you can be that witness as well. You are here if you are saved. God is not done with you yet. There's someone he wants to reach through you. And I challenge you to speak. Thank you, Pastor.